Happy Friday, everyone. On today's Locked On NHL, we look at the latest in second round Stanley Cup playoff action, some awards finalists from this week, plus the Flyers are in a new era of orange, all that and more on today's show. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, I am Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here each and every Friday with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. You can find him on Twitter at IceWarsNYRBSNYI. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube. We're now on the SiriusXM app or anywhere you listen to podcasts to get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Gil, how are we doing this Friday? Uh, doing well. Uh, playoffs heating up. Second round starting to wind down. Where we're getting, cl- we have one of the teams that are in the final four now in the in, in the conference yes. finals. And uh, oh, and before I forget, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there this weekend. That'll be uh, a, a very nice thing. So. Uh, Good time of year and the weather is beautiful, so no complaints. How about you? Well, I certainly wouldn't have any complaints if I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Uh, They closed out the series against the New Jersey Devils, winning the series 4-1 to with a 3-2 to win in Game 5. Went into overtime. Uh, Seems to be a pattern with Carolina winning their series out in OT, this time from Jesper Fast. And uh, this was just, I think, you know, other than that one anomaly, which I think you're going to get in a, you know, multi-game series, you know, with that game three, 12 goals uh, extravaganza. But I think this is just such a strong performance by Carolina overall. And they really understood how to curtail the offensive weapons that the Devils have. They are a very well-coached, disciplined team. And, you know, I saw what they did to the Islanders in round one up close, and they take away time and space so well. As soon as uh, a player gets the puck, there is a Carolina Hurricanes defender on them, and you have to move the puck really quickly. And a lot of teams can't do that, causes turnovers, and they counter punch and take advantage. Uh, You know, I give a tip of the cap to Rod Brindamore for the way he's coached this team and has them firing on all cylinders, despite the fact that they're missing some of their top offensive weapons. Yeah, I think the adjustments have been phenomenal. And you mentioned that defense. I think if you look at the four wins they had in that series, only one time were the Devils able to score more than one goal in those games. And so when they are on in terms of that defensive discipline, they are really on. And you know, I would be nervous for, you know, any team who's going to face them next. Of course, we're going to figure that out and talk about that series later in the show. But yeah, just such an impressive series by the Canes. Uh, in terms of the Devils, like, what do you think they take away from this year's playoffs experience? 
I I think the Devils were playing with house money at this point. You know, they they are a year ahead of where most people expected them to be. They had a very strong first round series to oust the New York Rangers and you know, beating your cross the Hudson River rivals makes it even sweeter for Devils fans. This is a young team. It's a fast team. But I think the contrasting style that the, the Carolina Hurricanes used, that's the style that tends to win in the playoffs. So I think this is sort of an education for a lot of these young Devils players that, you know, one style will win more readily in the regular season, but in the playoffs, you got to adjust your game a little bit. And now they're going to learn this is what it takes to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs and go on that long run. To me, it's very educational for them. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Devils do this offseason in terms of making those adjustments. And we know the NHL is a very reactionary league, right? And copycat league. And so you know, in terms of Carolina being such a disciplined team, are they going to try and adjust their roster to match what Carolina does? Or are they going to look at, you know, whoever, if it's not Carolina, whoever eventually wins the Stanley Cup uh, to make their adjustments and how Lindy Rupp is going to adjust the coaching styles, especially with these young guys um, going to be in sophomore seasons, which are are sometimes more challenging than rookie seasons. Yeah, yeah, that sophomore slump, it's a thing. And, you know, I, I wonder about whether, you know, what causes that? To me, part of it is maybe the player gets a little more comfortable. Maybe they take their foot off the gas. They say, I've established myself. Maybe there's more scouting uh, tape on the player. So teams know how to adjust to them. Probably a combination of the two. But uh, I, I'm not worried about the Devils long term. There is a lot of right. young talent on that team. And I think in the Metropolitan Division, they're going to be heard from for the next three or four years at least. Yeah, and I'm just really interested to see what their free agency looks like this offseason, because I think yep. there'll be a team to watch to see how they tweak uh, what their roster looks like. Uh, the other series, which I think has some similarities to the Devils uh, Carolina series, the Stars versus the Kraken uh, the Dallas Stars took a three games to two lead in that series. And I think, you know, the difference to me between what Carolina is able to do and what the Stars have been doing is that when the Stars are extremely disciplined and they can choke off the neutral zone for the Kraken, that's when they're really successful, that they can intercept those pucks. They can't do it all the time, but when they are on, they are really on and are so much fun to watch. They are. And, you know, to me, you, you add Jake Ottinger, who when they do make mistakes, he is so good at not giving up that big goal and, and, you know, I, I just the other thing is that Dallas makes their shots count. They only had 21 shots on goal in this game, and yet they managed to, you know, score four goals and then the empty netter. And Jason Robertson stepping up oh. three assists in this game. You know, he got off to a slow start in this series, but he has really picked it up over the last couple of games and they need him. Yeah, they are getting contributions from all the top guys that they need to. Uh, Rube Hans had two goals and an assist in this game. Joe Pavelski continues to score. And, I, you know, that's what a, a team like Dallas, they need to perform, you know, a, a little bit above 
expectation, I think, in order to to move forward in this series, because the Kraken have just been so resilient and and pesky. And I would say that, you know, despite there being them being down three games to two, like I would not count the Kraken out in this series at all. I, I love the way the Kraken are built. It's there, there's no superstars on that team, but they have like their fourth line can be just as dangerous as their second line. They they can roll those four lines. They're all very hungry, very fast, very determined, and they wear you down in in that way because you it's hard to do matchups against them in a playoff series. They're they're a team that's exciting to watch, and even if they don't end up winning this series i'm excited for their future as well yeah i am too and you know we'll see what happens in game six uh with that series i hate to like make any predictions about it because honestly i feel like this is such a fun series because it's been a little bit less predictable um and these teams are you know kind of jousting adjusting back and forth and I think that, you know, the Kraken have been a story this season in terms of, you know, it's their second year. They've made such strides. The coaching has improved, uh, you know, how they're deploying their players has improved. And uh, Dallas, I feel like, has just been a little bit of a sleeper team this whole season that people haven't talked about them as much. And they're kind of on this mission to like prove everybody wrong that no, they are a strong contending team. And I just, I I love this series. It's been fun to watch as a fan who isn't a a fan of either team. You want this series to go seven because it's totally so entertaining. And I love the chess match as you described it, that each team adjusts and counter adjusts and, I enjoy watching that. So I would love for this to go seven. A lot of goals too, which always makes it, despite having Jake Gottinger out there, you know, who's a a great goaltender is making some great saves. uh, Still a lot of goals out there. So it keeps it fun and, and exciting. Absolutely. All right. Well, coming up next, we are going to dig into some more of the NHL award finalists uh, that uh, have been announced since last week. Plus, the Philadelphia Flyers have a surprising new GM and president combo. And we will talk about that next. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. 
Gil, uh, we've had some more NHL award finalists announcements since last we spoke. And I think the biggest one, obviously, that we've heard so far is the Vezina uh, with Connor Hellebuck, Ilias Roken, and Linus Olmark getting the finalist nods. Uh, I think we did talk about this with uh, Boston getting eliminated is you know, the shine off of Linus Olmark a little bit. And obviously these are regular season awards and the votes are in, so right. it's not going to change anything. I feel like he's got this one, uh, but it certainly takes on a different look, shall we say? Yeah. I mean, look, he, he deserves it. Y you look at the numbers and he's first in wins, first in save percentage, first in goals against average. So it's really hard to say, yeah, he doesn't deserve it. But at the same time, having his team ousted in the first round of the playoffs, yeah, it, it, it does take some shine off the season for the team. And it's definitely disappointing. But, and look, you know, I followed Ilya Sorokin all season long. He deserves to be a finalist. But it's really hard to say that Olmark does not deserve to win the Vesna. Yeah, I feel like uh Connor Hellebuck in this conversation I, I feel like he's the always a bridesmaid never a bride yeah because <laughs> <laughs> he's such an incredible goaltender and just puts up the numbers and you know the way that Winnipeg is constructed it's not as strong of a, a defense in front of him I mean right. and especially you know with Josh Morrissey being out for parts of that season I, I think that it, it's just every year he puts in such a strong performance in net and i just feel like he'll never get there because there's always someone else that's well look slightly better yeah it's also possible he's playing for a different team next year as he heads into the that last year's contract so that may give him the opportunity to finally get the award depending on where he ends up going yeah i think so uh we also had the ted lindsay uh, which is the player MVP award. Those finalists are Eric Carlson, Connor McDavid, and David Pasternak. That checks out for the players, I think. <laughs> and it, the Matt. It, it does. And uh, I mean, I'm tempted to give it to Carlson, even though his team, you know, I didn't know. do so well. McDavid and Carlson both had such unique seasons. McDavid's probably going to win it, though. I think so. I think so. But I'm glad Eric Carlson is there in the finalist. And the Masterton, uh, Clayton Keller, Chris Letang, and Alex Stalock. Again, with this award, they're all winners here. Uh, every nominee from every team. They are. And th this is one of my favorite awards uh, just because of what it represents. And you couldn't go wrong with any one of these three finalists here winning it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Uh, moving on to the Philadelphia Flyers, of course, the team that I cover on our daily show the, for Locked On Flyers. But it's uh, it, it's been an interesting couple of days uh, and hiring Keith Jones, a longtime broadcaster, former Philadelphia Flyers player, 
as the president of Hockey Ops and also removing the interim tag from Danny Breer's title as general manager uh, is a really fascinating combo for the executive leadership of the team. And, you know, I can launch into this, but I'm curious what you think, Gil, as a as an outsider or division rival. Well, look, I... I like Keith Jones. I, I've spoken to him on a number of occasions in press boxes, you know, before and during games. He's knowledgeable about the game. This is obviously a different role than broadcaster, but I think it may take him a little bit of time to get his feet wet and get comfortable in the position, but I think he can do a good job. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that they're talking about a five-person unified leadership group uh, that'll include John Tortorella and Briere and, and Jones. This is a, a, a big opportunity for the Flyers, and they have to get it right because this team has been struggling now for a few years. And, you know, the Flyers are one of those marquee franchises in the NHL. And I'm, as much as I hate to admit it as an Islanders guy, the league is better off when the Flyers are competitive. Well, I appreciate that in <laughs> the <laughs> sentiment. But... Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting because you have such a strong personality in John Tortorella and two guys. Now, Danny Breyer has been working ever since he retired toward getting a GM job. So I think that, you know, what he's been doing behind the scenes, uh, I think he has a little bit more experience than maybe people would give him credit for, even though he hasn't been GM of a team uh, proper in, in the NHL. Uh, I think that, you know, he he's on the right path. Maybe he's gotten this position a little too soon. But uh, I think that having him plus Keith Jones, who for all you know reports out there, has tremendous relationships with everybody around the league, has a tremendous knowledge base from covering every single team. I mean, he does broadcast for the Flyers, but he does national broadcasts as well. So he's covered the entire league. Uh, for many, many years and and knows everybody around the league. So I think there's an advantage to that. Um, and the way the job descriptions are phrased and, and written that in terms of the hockey decisions, it'll be Danny Breer's call um, that Keith Jones could be kind of a consultant on that front, but the decisions are really up to Danny Breer. And so I, I kind of like that if Keith Jones is like your communicator and the guy that's bridging the gap between, you know, hockey ops and the business and marketing side to try and, you know, build back the the team's reputation uh, again, or, uh, you know, just to market to fans I, where it's a, a big risk. And I think this is a big swing for the, the company and, and for the organization is that you have two guys who are not only like new to these kinds of roles, but also they're insiders. And, you know, we've been talking in Flyers land about trying to, you know, turn over a new leaf and really look outside and fresh perspective. And while these are sort of non-traditional guys for the position, they're still Flyers insiders. And so will they have it within them to like look forward instead of sort of looking back at what the organization was? And I think that remains to be seen, but certainly a big swing. And I, I can't wait to see what happens moving <laughs> forward. 
it'll be interesting and it, it is a bit of a gamble as you as you said but i i you know briere i i like what he's done so far and i always like jonesy so to me you know it's it's a good gamble whether it pays off or not we'll see but i i think it's a good gamble yeah i think so too um I, i'm just you know again a little trepidation uh, moving forward Should with be. it but i do think it's an a very fascinating choice and i think just as you know thinking trying to think about it from an outside perspective it's definitely a situation to watch uh and to see how it develops um you know i i personally uh, you know again trying to be neutral about it um i would want to root for this to succeed because to your point it's better when the flyers are good in this league um, and I think, you know, it could create some different kinds of thought processes about how to build an executive team. Uh, the team CEO, Dan Hilferty, is new, or relatively new to sports in general, uh, was part of the uh, bid for Philadelphia to get World Cup soccer games to the city, but comes from the healthcare industry. And so you kind of have all these people that are like new to sports executive land. Um, but, you know, having that sort of outside business perspective could help things. So we'll see. And then you have John Tortorello, who's been around this league for a very long time to sort of balance that out a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, we will be taking a quick break. But when we return, we will get into tonight's action in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Gil, we have two big games tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think uh, there's some interesting dynamics going on with both series right now. Uh, the Toronto-Florida series, it's three to one uh, Florida right now. And uh, big, big game in Toronto for the Leafs. Yeah. And, you know, if Toronto can win at home, the pressure in the series starts to shift a little bit, and the momentum in the series definitely starts to shift. But, boy, if the Maple Leafs were to lose at home and their season would end at home, I, I don't want to think about what the crowd reaction would be as the uh, handshake is being given and the season is ending for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look, uh, I give a lot of credit to the Florida Panthers. They raised their game down the stretch. They raised their game in the first round and, and pulled off the big upset uh, that nobody expected against the Boston Bruins after being down 3-1. to one. Then they're up 3 nothing. Sergei Bobrovsky looks reborn almost uh, in this series, but they cannot let Toronto, with all the talent that they have, start to get momentum and, and, and get back in this series. So if I'm Florida, I want to close this out tonight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you do not want to give hope to the Toronto Maple Leafs because I, I think that this year is just such a make or break it for them, especially with the cap situation and the contracts that are going to have to get dealt with over the next year or two. Uh, I This is just one of those years where they, they need to push forward. And uh, I think the Panthers obviously have shown that they're giant killers so far. 
and they came out strong and have, a, you know, they have a couple opportunities to close this out, but doing it now, I think would send a huge message to the Carolina hurricanes that, uh, I think that it, it's going to be a battle for the conference final. Yeah. And then, you know, whichever one of these two teams, Florida or Toronto emerges from the series, you know, we've talked about Carolina's defense, both Florida and Toronto have some speed and some skill in their lineup. I love the matchup regardless of which team comes out of this series. So do I. And then we have some suspensions to talk about (laughs) in the Vegas Edmonton series. And uh, it's, kind of baffling that this is the story in this series, which really should be more about, you know, the games themselves and the hockey, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. The hockey has been great, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with the suspension of uh, Pietrangelo. That slash was just completely uncalled for and, you know, attacking Leon Dreisaitl like that really, in a so far after the play, after the play, the game is over. Uh, you know, at least it's been decided. I mean, there's still a few seconds left on the clock, but uh, you know, you go after a star player, and it was just a dirty play. So I, I have no problem with that suspension whatsoever. Yeah, it's uh, it's I just don't understand what goes through your head to do something like that at that point in a game that was already out of hand. Yeah, it's just, I guess, the frustration more than anything. It's it's the emotion of the moment, but you've got to keep it in check because you hurt your team a lot more if you're not available for the next game as compared to just say, okay, we lost, let's regroup. Uh, all of a sudden, you're regrouping without an important player in your lineup. So, um, you know, you got to be able to keep your cool. And as they say in hockey, there's a time and a place to get that revenge if, if you know, sometimes there's a – a dirty play the other way and you want to get back at a player there's a time and a place to do that but this wasn't it yeah and of course uh, on the other side darnell nurse suspended uh for an instigator penalty with a fight at, at the end of the game and uh it's just one of those like default rules that kicks in and yeah. and sometimes uh, some of those default rules will get you like it's a it's a very puck over the glass situation but at yep. the same time like if you know the rules like you got to abide by them exactly uh, look 20 years ago that would be called sending a message and it happened almost every game when you know if you're losing five to one with less than a you know two three minutes left in the game you send a message. We're not going to go down easy. You start a couple of fights. You try to get some momentum for your team. And that's why the league put the the rule in place to prevent that kind of a thing from happening. He did violate the rule. The suspension kicks in. But to see one game for both of these two different incidents, I, I just think that the slash was so much worse. But yeah. it's the playoffs. They like those one-game suspensions unless something – absolutely horrible happens yeah i agree and i always forget that part of that automatic suspension is the coach gets fined ten thousand dollars which is again like really is that what we're doing okay i mean i know it's to try and discourage you know the fighting and so the coach tells them don't fight because i don't want to get fined but like 
Man, it it just seems like silly, like you said, in contrast to the slash, which was like a real bad play and, and deserved the the suspension. Overall. Do you think the player offers to pay at least part of the coach's fine when they should? When they should, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they're probably making more than the coach anyway. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, both of these series that have their games five tonight should be a, a lot of fun. Definitely will be watching. And uh, we'll see next week where these series netted out and how the conference finals are shaping up. Yeah, it's uh, we're getting close to the end. We'll, we'll probably know by next week who the four teams are in the conference finals. And we know one of them already. And it's just an exciting time of year to be a hockey fan right now. Exactly. And uh, Gil, you'll be back Monday talking to some of the hosts from around the league about what's going on with their teams and any big news. Of course, we'll be back next Friday to dissect the week that was in hockey. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody.